Now these are the descendants of Perez. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Aminadab, and Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz, and Boaz begot Obed, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. Somehow it always gets back to David. David the friend, the musician, the warrior. David the beautiful. David the king. But there is another story, you know. Yes. And it came to pass in the days when the judges judged that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the field of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons Malon and Kilian, Ephrathites of Bethlehem in Judah. And they came into the field of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. Why did I do it? Leave my kin and marry a stranger from a foreign land? Do you know, I can't remember now. I know I wasn't given a choice. None of us were in those faraway days. We were simply married off to men our fathers chose. Now, why my father chose Matlon to be my husband? It could have been something straightforward, like a dowry he couldn't refuse. Or perhaps a deal with Elimelech. His labor for some years in return for land, and me as a wife for Matlon. You can be sure of one thing, though. My father's wealth came into it somewhere. Land and children, he always said. The measure of a man's worth. Sons to labor and bring forth the fruits of the soil daughters to wed and lure forth the fruits of another man's land. Once gone, remembered only for what they brought in, unwelcome familiars and their families of birth. Not much use with their fecundity, their loyalties and labor engaged elsewhere. We lived with the Ephrathites for ten years, Orpah and I, and then they died, the men that is, and we were left, alone in Moab, a land inclement once they were gone. For who would protect us in the absence of our husband's kin? Around this time, Naomi heard the famine had passed from Judah, and the Lord had remembered his people once again. So she decided to return to the land of her birth, to Judah, the land our husbands had dreamt of, and we'd heard tell of for years, the land of milk and honey. And she went forth from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant ye that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lift up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Nay, but we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? 
Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say, I have hope, should I even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye shut yourselves off for them and have no husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes, for the hand of the Lord is gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth cleaved unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her God. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, and to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Love? <laughs> you think I said those words because I loved Naomi? Do you know, do you have any idea how hard it is for a childless wife to love her husband's mother? Just think about it. When you marry, you leave your father's house forever. Daughters for wives, my father always said. Daughters for wives. When you wed, you're dead, except as the wife of your husband. And of course you move to live with his people, as one of them. A wife who's come in. And waiting for you when you get there, like a large spider at the center of a web, is his father's wife, his mother. And a carefully drawn game of watching starts that day. Do you work well in the fields? Do you work hard in the house? Do you respect the men? Do you know your place among the women beneath her? And always, always, are you yet with child? For children, her own and their children, are the skeins that keep her in place at the center of the web. And love, that most fragile of feelings, doesn't come into it. There's no place here for love or pity or remembrance of youth past. The struggle for survival, a sense of place, doesn't allow sentiment. And Naomi is above all else a survivor. And I respect her for that. Make no mistake, I am a child of tradition. A willing pupil, first of my father and later of Naomi. I was a member of my husband's group. A young and childless widow whose honor and future depended on bearing a child in her husband's name. But how to do it? My only chance was to follow Naomi, to be redeemed in Judah by a kinsman of my husband. Bethlehem. I'd never seen its like before. The gentle stillness of Moab's fields dispelled by the colors, the noise, the weight and sheer volume of city life. Oh, the sharpness of it. I can still feel that now, all these years on. My very senses assaulted by naked strangeness, picking me over inch by inch, 
confirming me as an outsider in the midst of his own familiarity, luring me with the romance I myself provided by my very presence in those streets. All pursuit of sensuality ended in Bethlehem that day. For what was the arrival of Ruth, the Moabitess, the stranger, but its incarnation never to be repeated? And as we walked through the parts of Bethlehem, Naomi, Mother Spider, spun her web wider and wider as thread by thread she plucked her way back into the world of kinship she'd left behind for Moab. Call me not Naomi, she said to the women who asked if it was she. Call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home empty. Why call ye me Naomi? seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me, and on, and on, and on. She could have made you cry with the sadness of it all. Widow Naomi, bereft of husband and children. Widow Naomi, alone in the world with her stranger daughter-in-law. Widow Naomi, her husband's land in another's hands. Who would feed her? Who provide shelter? Who comfort her once the Lord had cast her out? By the end of that first day, I think she almost believed it herself, as she sat by the fire of a pitying kinsman, her shawl pulled taut against her drooping shoulders. But not I. Ten years of Naomi, and I knew better. For I had experienced the infinite vanity, the merciless narcissism of a woman cut off from her own in a strange land. Oh, don't get me wrong. Elimelech was good to her. So too were her sons. But men are fickle, and none sees this more clearly than the women who wed and rear them. And so it was that we ended that first day in Bethlehem with food and shelter. <laughs> Trust Naomi. In truth, we couldn't have chosen a worse time to reach Bethlehem. Passover had just ended, and, as is the way of these things, the sacred respite was replaced by the profanity of everyday life and work. And it was to this polluted awakening that we arrived. The barley harvest laden with the promise of food, the possibility of courtship, the blind excitement of a busy social round. No time for bold strangers, I can tell you that. So, she did well for us with her poor old woman routine. I've got to hand her that, and I did, when she raised her head across the flickering fire. Now, Ruth, not a word said, my turn. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean among the ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find favour. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on the portion of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither pass from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, 
Go unto the vessels and drink of what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed down to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found favour in thy sight, that thou shouldest take cognizance of me, seeing I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been told me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thy husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people that thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and be thy reward complete from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to take refuge. Then she said, Let me find favour in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me. You have to understand how desperate we were. We made the journey to Bethlehem thinking Elimelech's land there would be waiting for us, assuming that because Elimelech and his sons were dead, we'd get the land. But that's not the way they do things here. Though Naomi owned the land, the right to use it belonged to another till the end of the wheat harvest, some weeks away. We had no claim to the land or its fruits till then. And this we learned on the day of our return. So as we sat by the fire that night, I knew in my heart that I had no option. If we were to eat, I would have to glean. I, not Naomi. For she really was too old for the back-breaking task of following the reapers or scrabbling with others in the corner of a field. And how I hated her that night, for her age and for bringing me to such a pass. Mother Spider, triumphant again at the centre of the web. Not for her the work of the poor, the public charity of her people, the humiliation of acceptance. Oh no, she sat by that fire, concentrating the full force of her malevolence on bending my will silently. For we said nothing. There was nothing to be said. We both knew our parts in the grand game of tradition and kinship. Finally, I offered myself up. Let me now go to the field and lean among the ears of corn, after him in whose sight I shall find favour. I never did believe in wasting time. If I had to take charity, then let there be an end to it. And what better end than to secure my honour and place here in Judah by bearing a child in my husband's name? First, though, I had to be claimed by one of his kinsmen and wed in the name of the dead. Now I'd heard about Boaz that first day in Bethlehem, a rich and powerful man, they said, and a close kinsman of Elimelech's. So I went to his field to glean. I followed behind the reapers with their sickles and the women who went after them, binding the reaped handfuls into sheaves. Keep your distance. Don't lean too close. Don't appear eager. Don't appear greedy. And then Boaz arrived. A big man, a man of substance, older than I. He saw me straight away, the stranger woman gleaning in his field. And as the sun beat down on me, my soul thawed, melting the anxiety that gnawed at its core. My Redeemer was close at hand.
And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and put her not to shame. And also pull out some for her of purpose from the bundles, and leave it, and let her glean, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even, and she beat out that which she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that which she had left after she was satisfied. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today, and where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she told her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought, and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her, The man is nigh of kin unto us, one of our nearest kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabitess said, Yea, he said unto me, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou goest out with his maidens, and that thou be not met in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Oh, you can be sure Naomi was well pleased that day. My redemption was her salvation, and she'd been round long enough to spot a restless man a mile away. Boaz, it was to be. Through the harvests, she fretted, talking of little else, measuring my offerings each day as a token of Boaz's esteem. He wants you, he wants you not. And was ever a woman wooed with ears and sheaves like me? We ate well that year, Naomi and I, for widows without a field. And Boaz kept us in his sight, but came no closer than duty demanded. Across this distance, though, I watched him too. A quiet man, the master of his domain. A man who knew the value of compassion, the worth of true kinship. And I was drawn to him, attracted by his sureness, his sense of place in that foreign land. Each day as I'd leaned, my heart would wait in stillness till he came, peace settling on me when he did. A silent contract was slowly forged in those fields, and torn asunder each night by Naomi's inquisition. He wants you, he wants you not, my only pleasure in thoughts of Boas and in watching Mother Spider tangle threads around her legs, running scared as fear destroyed the symmetry of her web. An old woman, powerless in redundancy, kept alive only by the name of Elimelech, a name I needed to reach my strength, the center of all things. So when she set her scheme before me at the end of the wheat harvest, I was ready. And Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well for thee? And now is there not Boaz, our kinsman, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley to-night in the threshing-floor. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the threshing-floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until he shall be done eating and drinking." And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, 
and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me will I do. And I did, my heart bitter in my mouth, as she helped me get ready. For this was no sacrament in the making. This was the seduction of Boaz, that decent, upright man, my kin. After dark, I left Bethlehem and walked up the hill to the threshing floor. The night breeze blew my hair, bearing men's voices, the sound of merriment in the air. How long I hid near the threshing floor, I do not know. I waited for the voices to be silent, for the sounds of men sleeping before I moved. And the rest you know. I offered myself to Boaz that night for my honour and Naomi's, the two inextricably bound as I lay on the threshing floor with Boaz, and she once again spun threads for her web by the fire in Bethlehem. It is true that I am a near kinsman, he said, but there is another kinsman nearer than I. Oh, the honesty of the man. Many another would have taken me that night in full knowledge that I might be lost forever, but not Boaz. In the morning, he said, he'd put an end to it. If my nearest kinsman, a man unknown to me, would not redeem me, he, Boaz, would. I returned to Naomi before dawn and found her dozing, stiff in the early cold, waiting to hear our fate. As I looked at her sleeping... I saw the skeins that held us to each other in animosity. Generation replaces generation. And I knew once a son was born, she'd teach me how to spin the threads of the matriarch, the threads of kinship. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the near kinsman of whom Boaz spoke came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the near kinsman, Naomi that is come back out of the field of Moab selleth the parcel of land which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to disclose it unto thee, saying, Buy it before them that sit here and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if it will not be redeemed, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, hast thou also bought of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance? And the near kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Take thou my right of redemption on thee, for I cannot redeem it. Oh, my clever Boaz, was there ever a man so wise and measured? He knew if he tried to redeem me before this man had spoken, confusion would ensue. 
the balance of power and responsibility would be unsettled, and that would never do. Boaz was always a man of tradition, but he also loved a game. He knew it made no sense for this man to redeem Naomi's land and me. The land was one thing, the land and a childless widow quite another. Like throwing grain into the wind. He would have paid dear for the land, raised a child in Mahlon's name, and lost that same land back to the child he'd fathered in the name of the dead. There was no economic sense in it. And Boaz gambled that reason would prevail, and he was right. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are the witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kilian's and Malan's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malan, have I acquired to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead on his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren or from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day, he came back to me that day, my Boaz, back to me and Naomi, where we waited in her house, silent with anticipation as our future was measured at the gates of Bethlehem. And how we celebrated! Our name now safe, our places secure, redeemed, as women always are, by the act of a man. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went in unto her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who hath not left thee this day without a near kinsman, and let his name be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law who loveth thee, who is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbours, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. I told you it always comes back to David. Back to him and the other men. Not that I wanted to, believe me, but that's the way of things. I can see it clearly now, as I sit by the fire spinning my web. This shimmery, fragile illusion of power and centrality that can be ripped asunder any time. Oh, Naomi, are you laughing now? You knew all the time, didn't you, that the only thing you and I had to trade was places, not enemies, but powerless partners being pulled between men in their marketplace.